The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome, boys and girls, to the Wednesday edition of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, the illustrious Scott Alexander, and right across me is the one and the only Tammy, the Tam Tam Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. All righty. So I'm going to let you get right into this one. Yeah. Um, this one is a whodunit Wednesday, I think. I'm pretty sure. Your your Minnesota Iowa accents coming out. I, I was expecting you to go. Don't you know? No, that's not how it is, yo. Oh, hey, and before we go any further, man, I gotta give a shout out to somebody, uh, one of our Facebook fans, man. Her name is Vicky Rod- Rodriguez. I notice that she likes every damn thing that I post on Brutal Nation. Well, there you go. And on uh, and on, uh, uh, she's also part of uh, what's the group called? Damn it, uh, Minds of a Seri- uh, Minds of Serial Killers. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good page and what have now. But yeah, she seems pretty kick-ass, man. She's awesome. just, she shows up a hell of a lot. There's a few more, but she's the one who stands out the most. Does she stand out the most? The most. She is the ghost with the most or the host with the most? Okay. <laughs> the ghost with the most. <laughs> Dude, you're weird. I'm tired as shit, okay? I know, right? <laughs> okay, so anyways, this is called... And I know I'm going to mess up the name because I've been trying to... It's a tongue t- twister. It's Bowerville, B-O-W-R-A-V-I-L-L-E, Murders. And don't look at me. <laughs> Anyways, Bowerville is a small country town in New South Wales, Australia. It's located about 10 miles from the coast and halfway between Sydney and Brisbane. Though it is considered a historical and cultural tourist attraction, it is also one of the most disadvantaged towns in New South Wales. Um, it suffers from low income levels, high unemployment, and a high percentage of students not meeting educational standards. Portland. Oh, so it's, no, I was going to say, it's, it's like Alabama. <laughs> Bama? Yeah, it's like Bama, man. <laughs> yeah. I think they're like number 49. In, on, on the scale of uh, education. Oh, for schools? For schools, yeah. Yeah, 49 like out of 50? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's sad. I'd like to know who number 50 is. They hide. They like, <laughs> can't even tell you because they're, they're, they're hiding their face right now. Yeah, right? But it's not Bama. It's, <laughs> it's not like, Bama. It's pretty bad when you look it's, at it. Yeah, you look at Bama and they go, Woo, we're not the last one on the list. It's Bama's slogan, at least we're not 50. <laughs> at least we ain't 50. Woo, NASCAR, tell Anyways, around 15% of the population is indigenous Australians who reside in an area referred to as the Mission. Wouldn't that be called the Aborigines? Well, oh, maybe if you let me get to the next paragraph. (laughs) Oh. Between 1887 and 1950, Bowerville was an unofficial Aboriginal reserve. In 1950, the Aboriginal people were moved to the Mission, which is a row of red brick houses on the outskirts of town near the dump, and it's along a road called Cemetery Road. So this speaks volumes regarding the view of indigenous people during that time period, right? Well, yeah, they went from being able to roam free on the reserve, and, you know, I'm sure that their ears were tagged. Home on the range. What? Tagged? (laughs) Yeah, that way they can track them. 
um, you know, over to uh, <laughs> moving them over to a red brick building on Cemetery Road. On Cemetery Road. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that's fucked up, but that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. So the mission in the 90s was a tight-knit community where everyone looked after one another. Children were allowed to play freely throughout the area, but warned to stay within the limits of the mission out of fear of being hurt by white people. Freaking white people, man. I know. Oh, my goodness. She didn't give me a phonetics on this word. The road would be renamed Gumbanger, G-U-M-B-A-Y-N-G-I-R-R. You know what that sounds like to me? What? (laughs) (laughs) Road. Kookaburra sits in the old gum tree. (laughs) After, okay, so it was renamed this road after the murders. So um, the victims were, the first one is 16-year-old Colleen Walker from Sawtell, New South Wales. She was visiting family in Bowerville when she vanished. She was last seen on September 30th. 13th, 1990, walking away from a party in the mission. Her family reported her missing the next day, and they were understandably worried something horrible had happened to her. The local police dismissed their concerns, thus no search parties were formed and no official action was taken. Some of her clothing was later found weighed down by rocks in the Nambuka River. Does she have an aboriginal descent? Um, I don't think so i mean i've seen a picture of the three victims and she looked very white oh okay so, so i was just gonna i, I was just thinking because god i hate to bring the race card into this but we see this a lot with especially when it comes to those of ethnic uh, ethnic uh, ethnic right ethnic thank you yeah. god my fucking brain today uh Different ethnicities, you know, that's not white is, you know, they, they disappear and people, well, we don't care. It's just the Mexican or right. it's just the black person. Or just, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just uh, this type of person. Right. Or it's just that that gay man over there. Right. Yeah. Right, right. We and see it, it a with, lot. With sexual orientation and shit like that, too. Um, yeah. So that, that's why I asked, because <laughs> either way, it's it, it's fucked up. Right. So no, basically, I... they're 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 saying, fuck it. We don't care because she's poor. Yeah, pretty much. She's from the mission. So anyways, like I said, some of her clothing was found way down by rocks, but her body has never been located. Now, check this out. Then, Colleen's four-year-old cousin, Evelyn Greenup, vanished from a party at her grandmother's house on October 4th. Evelyn's mother had put her to bed that evening, but by morning she was gone. Evelyn's mother was sharing a room with her, and when she awoke, she discovered her pants had been pulled down and her daughter was missing. That sounds to me like she was drugged. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm t- I would. I think that I would notice even with a lot of my nighttime meds on board, if somebody came in and pulled my pants down, <laughs> you would hope. <laughs> but then, then again, there was. I was gonna time, say you are a man whore, so who knows? I wound up with that with that lubricant all over my butt, and I don't remember how it got there. So. It's, and I couldn't sit right for days. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre, man. That was, a, that was the worst dentist visit ever. <laughs> I'm done. It said, it said gentle dental. But not they so were Not so much. I just know that my mouth felt fine, but other parts of me were just a little worse for wear. So anyways. Now I have questions. <laughs> so do we all. 
So Evelyn's grandmother recalls having heard Evelyn call out in the middle of the night, but hadn't thought anything of it. Evelyn's aunt, Michelle Jarrett, recalls, I knew something was wrong straight away. I had just gotten home from work when my sister Rebecca told me she couldn't find her daughter, Evelyn. She had put Evelyn and her little brother, Aaron, to bed that night before the night before, and they'd been looking for Evelyn all day. Aaron kept asking where his sister was, and I remember him saying, the bad man took Evelyn. So that's me says that the little boy saw something. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So Michelle grabbed a photo of Evelyn and went to the police station where she found only one cop working. She says he looked at the photo of Evelyn and back at me and said, well, what do you want me to do about it? I'm just about to knock off. Clock out. The family put up flyers and conduct. I, doesn't that just piss you off? A little bit, yeah. That's fucked yeah. up, man. A, kid, a kid's missing. I, yeah, tell what you do what you want I want me you, to do? Tell you what I want you to do about it there, fucktard. Yeah. Why don't you go out there and start looking for this kid? I don't care if you're ready to knock off or not. Yeah, no shit, yo. Do your job. So, um, so she went missing on um, October 4th of 1990. Okay, I wanted to make that clear. Anyways, the family put up flyers and conducted a ser- and conducted search parties. And with Colleen's disappearance less than a month prior, the family was desperate to find Evelyn. The mentality of the mission changed overnight. Where once kids were free to play outside until dark, now the residents were scared and suspicious. On April 27th, 1991, so October, November, December, January, February, March, April, like six months later, um, Evelyn's skeletal remains were found in bushland near Congarini Road, C-O-N-G-A-R-I-N-N-I. Michelle had to rush to tell her sister her daughter was dead before she saw it on the news. Um, an autopsy couldn't accu- accurately determine how she died, but did reveal a skull injury, quote, consistent with a forceful penetration by a sharp instrument. Criminally. Yeah, so that sounds like she was stabbed in the head. Yeah, but you know, that comp was ready to knock off and, you know, didn't yeah, know what to do. No doubt, yo. Freaking awesome. <laughs> the police force. <laughs> so Evelyn's family's frustrations were compounded by lack of support by the police. Though they did eventually send an officer to investigate, the family later learned the officer was with Child Protective Services and not with the police department. Of course, the family is automatically investigating until they can be ruled out as suspects, but the police only focus on this aspect of the investigation and not on anything else. There was no attempt on their end to find her or look for her killer. I think they, they were just focused on, oh, it's a member of the family, you know? Right, you know, take, take that path of least, the, the easiest path out. Oh, yeah. That's, that's all they cared about. Yeah. Hey, hopefully we solve it by this, because if not, we're lost. Right. So on January 31st of 1991, Clinton Speedy Durow, six he was 16 years old, disappeared after a party at the mission. He had been asleep with his girlfriend, Kelly, in a yellow Viscount caravan. When Kelly awoke, she found her underwear had been removed and her boyfriend was missing. Clinton, see, that tells me she was drugged. Maybe. 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 Maybe not. Clinton's remains were also found along Congarini Road, this time near a field where marijuana grew. Whether the marijuana was growing naturally among the other plants in the field or was specifically a a marijuana grow is unclear. Wait a minute. My panties are gone right now. 
the 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 cute pink frilly ones. Yeah, now I'm feeling a little violated. <laughs> well, you know, Angel. <laughs> now this was just over four miles from town. A pillow from the caravan was found underneath his clothing, and Clinton also showed signs of blunt force trauma to the head. None of the missing persons were taken seriously until the bodies were found. The police suggested they had simply gone on a walkabout. Yes, a four-year-old girl simply got up in the middle of the night and decided to take a walkabout in her PJs, right? Yeah, I'm, that happens all the time. Before I see four-year-olds, you know, 2 a.m. sitting there smoking a cigarette, <laughs> you know, drinking a little martini-tini and going, I'm just going for a walk, buddy. I don't know what your problem is. Okay, go on, little toddler. <laughs> you know, right. and, You little scamp. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have a lot of things to think about, mister, so don't bother me. <laughs> no, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. I'm just going to. Go back to my truck and fucking wait till you get the hell off the street. How about that? <laughs> Probably a good idea because, you know, I carry a switchblade. And I figured that you did, little toddler. You're kind of a scary little girl. You're fucking scary as shit. All toddlers are scary. Shit, yeah, they are. Because I'll tell you, the, the scariest thing about toddlers is when you don't hear a fucking thing out. Oh, of them. no shit, yo. Yeah. Yeah, those were every time my son had a friend over. If I didn't hear anything, I went looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Fucking, that's terrifying, man. Yeah. So now the police are doing an investigation, right? They now had three disappearances of Aboriginal people within five months of each other who had vanished from parties occurring in the mission. Two of the victims had suffered from trauma to the head. All of this indicated the work of one killer. Now, they are willing to take Colleen's disappearance seriously, I guess. It only took two more deaths. You oh, know? Is that all? Well, shit. There you go, man. Yeah. They're on it now. Yeah. So all of the victims had disappeared within 200 feet of each other. The investigation led them to 25-year-old Jay Hart, a local laborer who owned the yellow caravan Clinton and his girlfriend had been staying in. Jay was well known in the mi- in the mission and had attended all three parties. In addition, Colleen had been war- warding off Jay's sexual advances for weeks before her disappearance. Allegedly, Jay had also expressed interest in Evelyn's mother, Rebecca, and Clinton's girlfriend, Kelly. Now, on April 8, 1991, Jay was actually arrested for Clinton's murder. On October 16th, while out on bail and awaiting trial, he was arrested and charged with Evelyn's murder. On February 18, 1994, after being presented with only circumstantial evidence... The New South Wales Supreme Court jury acquitted him of Clinton's murder and prosecutors then opted not to proceed with the trial of Evelyn. Now, in 1997, New South Wales Police Commissioner Peter Ryan set up a task force called ANCUD um, to continue the investigation of former detective Gary Jubilin. Recalls when he he first arrived in Bowerville, he thought it was going to be relatively simple. He would be able to line up witnesses and interviews and get the case resolved. He stated, quote, the families told me from the start that people did not care because they were aboriginal. I naively thought they were wrong, but they were so right. I had white people in Bowerville comment on the case. Someone said, why are you wasting your time on finding out who killed the kids? You'd give them a medal if you found them, wouldn't you? It's this racism and unconscious bias that the families have been battling for 
30 years. So these were little black kids. Yeah, I mean, but I swear that picture doesn't look black, although maybe I'm just not seeing it. On February 9th, 2004, New South Wales coroner John Abernathy reopened the inquest into Evelyn's murder and Colleen's disappearance. He recommended in September that Jay be charged again with Evelyn's murder. Jay has publicly maintained his innocence, and this trial began in February of 2006. The prosecution presented multiple alleged confessions, including one from Jay, to a, a fellow inmate who has only been referred to as Witness X. It's like Malcolm X, but in fucking Australia. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so um, this witness testified Jay shared how, quote, Clinton had pulled a knife on him and he took the knife off him. And yes, he dealt with it, gave it to him about the head, then wrapped his body in a blanket and dumped it in a marijuana patch. He was once again acquitted on March 3rd of 2006. Now, the, um, where was I? Oh, there it is. Um, the murders and lack of conviction, understandably, has been a source of pain and bitterness in the Aboriginal community. In response to the 2006 acquittal, the New South Wales Police Minister increased the reward from $100,000 to $250,000. Previously, the reward was only for information relating to the disappearance of Colleen Walker. And in 2006, the family successfully petitioned to have legislation changes made in regards to double jeopardy. This would allow for a retrial of an acquitted life sentence offense if quote, fresh and compelling evidence was uncovered. Um, in 2016, the detective leading the investigation submitted a request to the, oh, to the New South Wales Attorney General asking for a retrial based on new evidence. Allegedly, Jay also stated he has not, he was not opposed to a retrial. Why would he want one? Was he convicted in the court of public opinion and wanted the chance to clear his name? Or did he want to be held accountable for his actions? Um, in May of that year, there was a protest march calling for legislative change by the victims, families, and supporters. Then on Fe February 9th, 2017, the suspect was again charged and the attorney general applied the court of criminal appeal for a retrial. On September 13, 2018, the court dismissed the application on the grounds no new compelling evidence had been submitted. The pen... Ow. Dang it, I have a hangnail. It hurts. Oh, I wonder what the fuck is happening over I know. There. No, I had a hangnail and I kind of like, like rubbed it and it hurt. I... The family of Colleen Walker has provided DNA samples in the hopes of one day being able to identify her remains should they be found. The police have promised the samples... Excuse me will be preserved and not used for any purposes other than her identification. On March 22, 2019, the High Court of Australia refused the application by the Attorney General to appeal the decision of the Court of Criminal Appeals. The campaign for a retrial is still ongoing. As of February of this year, the reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the killer has reached $3 million. One million for each victim. Okay, I'm going to collect on that reward right now. Y'all uh, over there in Australia, the killer is sitting right across from me. Her name is Tammy. 
Underwood. I've never been to Australia. She's lying. She likes to kill little black children. And uh, you can make that payable. And pull down other women's panties. You love the other women's panties. I'm pretty sure you sniff them, too, but... Ew. <laughs> that was gross. Mm. Smells no. like a Long John Silver's. Ew. Now, here's a final thought for you. The working theory is that Jay Hart's motivation, if he is the killer, was sexual in nature. He was willing to kill whomever he deemed as in the way of him being a way of him being with whoever. Do you believe he might be the killer or and was his motivation was this his motivation or have the police been so focused on this one suspect that the true killer walks away undetected? I think they're focused on one person and that you have to look at their history, man. Right. Like their history says, look, we really don't give a shit. We're just going to kind of run through the motions. Right. To uh to make people think we are trying to do something, but at the end right. of the day, they don't. They they they, they don't give a rat's ass. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And if he is the killer, I mean, because there is probability there, you know, especially considering if he really did have something for Evelyn's mother and, you know, Clinton's girlfriend. The fact that their underwear and pants were removed says a lot. Right, but still, why would he want a retrial? Like, seriously. That's true, too. Why would you go, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. No, that's fucking, that's ludicrous. I would say uh, anything's possible, like I said before. Anything is possible. But I think the probability is fairly low. Okay. I hear you. (coughs) Chirping, big bird. (laughs) Caca. Wow, dude. <laughs> no, so, yeah, so that, I mean, that's this case. It was pretty quick and easy, I mean, to present. It's really sad, though, that, um, but see, we had that with another case in Australia, too, didn't we, with the Aborigines? Yeah, anything that happens with the Aboriginal people, yeah. it just seems like people are like, ah, we don't care. And it's, that's fucked up. Yeah, it's almost really like um, they did with um, the Highway of Tears up in Canada. As I say, yeah, just like with any uh, Native North Americans, right? Um, anything like that. No, nobody gives a shit, and it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's that. It, it, I, I just find a lot, a lot of people's morality is askew, and I'm not saying that I have great morality. No, I'm just saying that you know sometimes people don't value other people for just being people. Well, and this is true. I mean, we've said it before on the show that you know. Like hookers. Hookers are people, yeah. too, you know? Just because a hooker is murdered it doesn't mean she deserved it. Exactly, you know? I I believe in hooker rights, to be I honest. you do. You know, and it's not because I want hookers. It's just, you know, they're they're just... Well, they're fucking people, man. That's somebody's dog. Yeah, exactly. Or somebody's mom, somebody's sister. You know, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. and And what I find is that... What I find odd about this case is that two of the people were related. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think it's, it sounds like it's a small community. That could, you know, yeah. So it could be just a probability thing. It you was know what just I mean? a coincidence? Yeah, coincidence. That could be two. <clears throat> so. 
All right, boys and girls, remember you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at BrutalNation, and the story should pop right up for you. This show's copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.